0: Happy New Year. Everybody good? Is everybody ready for the new year? Well, I am too. You know, we're going to have an a emphasis in the new year that's going to be exciting. We're going to be talking about 2020 and developing healthy habits. Some of you are like, uh, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, we're going to talk about a little bit of what that means today. Uh, we're still talking about It Matters. This is the last message of the whole year. Um... And this is the last one of this series about things that matter. You know, I've been talking about things that matter, and what I mean by that is things that matter for your spiritual growth. There is a part of you that's going to live forever, you know that? And, and if you don't nurture that and grow that, uh, you will be stagnant. I don't know, uh, some of you may not know what other people were talking about, but we had a grandson on Christmas Day, it was a Christmas miracle, such a cute little guy, and and this is what he looks like, and he's a cutie, this is right when he was, just right after he was born, he's so cute. (laughs) Yes, this fits into the sermon, okay, I'm not just doing this. And then, a few days later, he looks like this, he's so cute. I mean, you have to admit, that's a cute kid. So here's the thing I'm talking about. You know, when, he, when, when a little guy is born like that, in just a matter of a few days, you can already see growth. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, it's like all by themselves, they grow up. Now, if you're as old as me, you've seen a lot of people grow up, and you've seen people that never grew up. But the deal is, whenever they're little, they automatically, from babies, they become children, and then they become preteens, and then they become teens, and somewhere along there you want to freeze-dry them or stop them, but you can't because they just keep growing, and then they grow into adults. But here's the funny thing. When you reach adulthood, you stop growing. Before adulthood, it's automatic. I mean, you can't stop a kid from growing. I know a lot of people say, I'm going to put them in a closet and stuff like that. It doesn't stop it. They just grow up. But when they get to be adults, they stop growing. In fact, John Maxwell says this. He says, as adults, if we're not intentional, we're going to stop growing completely. Mature spiritual people don't just happen. You must be intentional. You must go forward. You must move forward to be able to grow your spirit man the person that lives forever, that's inside of you. Now, people say, okay, well, that's a spiritual endeavor. You know, I I think that sometimes we get the wrong idea about what it means to grow in the spirit. Now, in 2020, we're going to have a big uh, emphasis on growing, and we're going to talk about healthy habits and trying to be better in all phases of our life. You know, we're all created like God. You all know that? We're made in the image of God. You know that? That when God said let us make man in our image, that he was talking to someone. He was talking to the Godhead. You see, there's a Father, there's a Son, and there's a Holy Spirit. And when the, when the Father speaks, God's speaking. When the Son speaks, God's speaking. When the Holy Spirit speaks, God's speaking. Do you know why? They're all the same person. We're monotheist. We're not polytheist. We believe in one God. Deuteronomy 6.4, the Lord our God is one God. There's no separation. They're one. And we do the same thing with our own self. We, we, we think because we're made in the image of God, we're made with a body, which is like Jesus, the flesh. You know, we're made in the, uh, uh, our minds, our intellect, that's God, the Godhead. And, you know, then we have a soul, our emotions, and, and all of our feelings and everything. That's like the Holy Spirit. You know, there's, we're made in the image of God. And we treat this like we treat God, like they are three different things. But Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit's God, the Father's God, and I just want to say this to you, that your body, your mind, your soul are all one spiritual being. And you will not grow spiritually unless you intentionally try to grow in every area of your life. People say, well, you know, I just want to grow in the spirit. Well, if your marriage is lousy, your spiritual walk, your effectiveness in the kingdom will not be as good as if it was great. If you don't take care of your body and you die 20 years premature, you probably will not fulfill everything God puts you on the earth to do. There is no separation. You need intellectual stimulation to grow spiritually. You need physical health to be spiritually fit your confidence your ability to think clearly all have so much to do with how you take care of your whole being some people want to disassociate that you know i don't care if you if you memorize the whole bible and you die 30 years premature it's not going to do you any good you know when you get to heaven you're not going to impress anybody The deal is God wants you to be healthy body, soul, and spirit. That's why we're going to focus on getting your emotions healed, the trauma, the things in your life that have happened to you, that have set you back, that have caused you to be shy, that have caused you to withdraw, that have caused you to isolate. We're going to attack those things. And we're going to be intentional in 2020 because no one changes anything. No one continues to grow just because they're getting older. Just because you're 65 doesn't mean you're more mature than a 35-year-old if you've never been intentional to grow. So that's what we're going to look at in 2020. We're going to develop healthy habits. We've been talking about things that matter, and we're going to lay a firm foundation, and we've been doing that this last month of the year. Um, You know, I'll tell you things that matter are things that have to be solid foundation. You know, to grow as a spiritual person, you must be born again. I don't know if you know that. You must be born again. You must have a time in your life that you have a spiritual birthday. You know your physical birthday? Yes. Mine's uh, October 4th. I'm trying to remember it. October 4th, 1954. (laughs) That's way back. You didn't even know people were still alive that were born in the 50s. I, I was. And and that's my that's my physical birthday. And, and February 22nd 1976, is the day that I got down on my knees by my bed and really made Jesus Lord of my life. I received Him as my Savior. I opened my heart, and He saved me. It wasn't me that for, sought Him. He said He said you didn't you didn't seek me. You didn't choose me. That's what this says in John 15:16. Jesus didn't choose. We didn't choose Jesus. He chose you. And when you're born again, it's because he's been running you down and you open your heart, there's a day that you're born again. And it's important. It matters. It matters that you follow him in water baptism. So many people think, oh, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah, it matters. Water baptism is very, very important. We talked about that. You know, there's there's just so many things that we that we do in church that really do matter, like worship. It matters that you learn to worship. Because God created you to worship. Do you know we're going to be worshiping for eternity? And that's something that is in our DNA. We need to learn to worship God. We need to have a secret life with God. That means a life that no one sees but you and God. Those are important. If, you're, if your whole spiritual walk, if you only worship when you're at church and you only pray when you're praying with someone, then you're really you need to work on your secret life with God because it really does matter. Because he's in the secret place. I don't know if you know that. Those things matter. We talked last week about obedience. Some people think it doesn't matter if you obey God, it matters a whole lot. The Spirit of God came to convict of sin. Yeah, we get that one, you know. We all want to talk about sin. But we don't talk so much about conviction of righteousness. You know, there's a right way for you to go. It says that you didn't choose him, he chose you. And the last of that verse is. To go and do works that will last. Works that were designed just for you. You were created to do something. And we're going to talk about that today. It matters. And the last thing we're going to talk about for 2019, the last one in this sermon series, is the one that is dearest to my heart. And that is church matters. Not just going to church. That's not what I'm talking about. Oops, another gratuitous shot. (laughs) See, you can force people to look at your pictures. (laughs) You just have to be creative. (laughs) Anyway, church matters. Not just going to church. I'm not talking about going to... Going to church is where it starts. I'm talking about being the church. You see, it says... In, in Ephesians 4, this is what it says about church. It says, each part, and he's talking about the body of Christ. Now, I don't know if you know this, but when you're born again, you're born into the body of Christ. When you're buried with Christ in baptism in, in there and you're raised to walk, you're raised up into the body of Christ. It says, each part of the body of Christ, which would be us believers, us Christians, does its work. Each part does its work. That means you have a specific Work, I have a specific work, you have a work, my work is not your work, your work is not my work, and the Spirit of God convicts you of your work, what you were created for. I can't tell you, I can't give you a list of what you were created for. The Spirit of God has to illuminate that with you, but it is personal to you. It's a conviction of righteousness. That's why obedience is important. It says you do your work, and look what happens. It says that it helps the other parts of the body grow. You, did, you, did you hear that? It means that you must know what you do, the work that you do, and as you do that work in the church, not at home by yourself, I mean in the church, when you do your work in the church, it helps all the body grow. That means that there's people in the church that aren't growing because most people that are born again are sitting at home this morning. Because somewhere along the way, they decided they'd just go it alone. They didn't think church mattered. Them and God, they're fine. We're fine. Me and God, we're fine. I got this deal with God. You know, we have our own life. You know, we do our own thing. I just want to say this. It doesn't make sense. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just going to try to tell you the truth. Church matters. God invented it. It's his idea, not mine. And so he made this up. He made this deal because he knows it matters. He says that it's important we do our own work because it helps everybody else grow. And then he says this, so Christ's whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Wow. That's awesome. Healthy? I want everyone in 2020 to be healthy. I want every one of you to be healthy. I want every one of you to be mature. My definition of mature I tell my kids all the time growing up, you're mature when you make good decisions. You're not mature because you're older. You're mature because you make good decisions. What's a good decision? It's the one that God has put in your heart to do the right thing. I want us all to be healthy. I want us all to be mature. I want us all to be growing. And I certainly want us all to be full of love. Now, I want you to think about something think about the church. It's not growing anywhere. People say, well, I know a church is growing. Well, they're probably just growing from other people from other churches. The church is really not growing at large around the world. In fact, it's shrinking. We're going to talk about some statistics here in a little bit. Could it be that the church is shrinking and not growing because there's so many people that decided just to be isolationist? That decided that church just doesn't matter They have their own deal worked out with God. They kind of have their own deal worked out. I mean, could it be true that because so many people have decided not to go to church, that the church is not growing and that it's not healthy? So many people would be quick to say all the faults in the church, you know. It's not healthy. And it's certainly not full of love. We know that because the, the number one adjective that the world uses to describe the church is judgmental. So could it be that we've gotten into the spot that we've gotten into because so many people don't come and the ones that do come has a wrong idea about why they're here. They don't understand that they're here to help others to grow. You know, there's only one possible way that we can grow in 2020 and to become who God wants us to be, to become the church even that God wants us to be. Only one way. We have to be in relationship with one another. Relationship. Not just attendance, relationship. We have to learn to love one another. And that can't happen in isolation. You know, my question becomes to people that say, Do I have to go to church to be saved? You know, I always like, Why wouldn't you want to go to church? And, and I mean, that always blows my mind. If if you're born again, I've always wanted to go to church. But there's a lot of people that just don't. They're born again. They believe in God. They they even have a teaching gift. They have a lot of things going on inside of them, but they don't really think it's important to be in church. I say, "Why why do you think that? And I think it's because they come for the wrong reasons. You hear people say it all the time. I just stopped going. I just wasn't being fed. I say, when did the church become Golden Corral? I don't know. I mean, if you're hungry, eat. eat you got the bread of life you got the word of God you got the spirit of God eat why are you hungry maybe you're there for the wrong reason you don't stay in church because the sermons are great (laughs) okay I'm about to reveal myself right here okay Amber proved it this week. Amber House. she does our Facebook, and she put on there, why did you start attending more? And it was so funny. All these people are writing all these stories. They're great. And some of y'all wrote them, you know, just like I started going to more because, like Lyndall said, my wife made me, and, and you know. <laughs> and then another person, you know, I started going to more because someone invited me, Chantel, and it's just somebody in jail, and they came. And, I mean, just all these reasons. It was really sweet. There was only like two, maybe three, that said, Pastor Darrell's sermons are so good. And I thought... Hmm, I wonder, I wonder if I should be doing a little better job. But it's true. Nobody stays in church because of great sermons. Nobody stays in church because of great worship. You don't. You may think you do, but you don't. Those are people that, you know, you know if you're coming just because the f- sermons feed you um, or the worship feeds you, you won't stay. Because here's the reason people stay in church. They feel appreciated. They feel like they belong. They feel affirmed. They have physical touch, healthy physical touch. You know, people need that. You know that some people go all week long and never get a hug. You know that some people just so want to be affirmed and they don't get it. Some people grew up in homes where they never felt affirmed. They never felt appreciated. You know, I think you say, well, people go to church for the wrong reasons. I think, you know, if you're going just for the sermons and for the worship, it's going to play out. But I tell you, the people that feel like this they stay, because that is what it's all about. Dr. Daniel Amen, he's a Christian psychiatrist, and he's a neuroscientist and a brain expert. This is new, technolog- this is new scientific evidence that blows my mind. He says that healthy relationships are essential for healthy brain activity. Now, I don't know if you know this, but if you don't have healthy brain activity, it's the reason that some people are in addiction. It's because there's a certain part of their brain that's not firing correctly or it's not sending the right signals. There's a lot of people that are abusers or violent or angry or depressed or lonely or hopeless or whatever because their brains are not functioning right. And he says it can all be traced back, not all, but nearly all can be traced back to the fact that we need to be in healthy relationships for our brain to function normally scientific proof they prove it with brain scans and they can prove it hopelessness and depression even mental disorders the result of loneliness loneliness it's powerful deadly Yet people are isolating themselves by the drugs. More and more isolation. Don't want to be around people. Fear of rejection. Don't want to be rejected. Don't want to be hurt. I've been hurt before. I'll just forget it. I don't want to. And they give up. And loneliness starts. And pretty soon their brains are not acting quite right. And pretty soon they're into addiction or they're into something else. Or, they're, or they just become so angry and such a complainer. So negative. And they don't realize that their brains are not functioning right because they're not in a relationship that's affirming and and appreciative and you don't feel like you belong. And you're never touched in an appropriate way. There's studies that prove, and this, this is really amazing to me, scientific studies that proved people with mental illness that they had two group studies. They had people with mental illness that had these certain symptoms, and they treated these with antipsychotic drugs, and these people uh, were treated that way. And then these people over here were just put in an environment where they had healthy relationships, where they had friends, and they could meet with, regularly with people, and they felt affirmed and loved. And, and in three months, they both experienced a lot. Their symptoms came under control exactly the same in three months in six months the people on drugs it plateaued out but the people that were in relationship they continued to improve and get better and better and better with no drugs you see it, for years in psychiatry they'd meet with you for 10 minutes and they would put you on some mood-altering drug because that's all they knew to do but new scientific evidence is showing that something as simple as friendship can heal so many people that we continue to isolate, continue to shun. The church, well, I mean, what's this a picture of? The little icon in the middle, what's, it to, what's that a picture of? Huh? It's a church. That's what people say. That little picture there, it's the church. Now, when we go to Dallas together, and we go and we see AT&T Stadium, what's that? Is it the Dallas Cowboys? (laughs) Then why would we call that a church? Because we don't understand what church means. We think church (laughs) is different than what God thinks church is. We think church, you know, we drive by an old town and we look and we go, oh, look at that little church over there, you know, something. We think a church is a building, but it's not. We know the New Testament was written in Greek. It has 5 million precise words, 5 million precise words. The Holy Spirit was able to pick the exact word he wanted to use in every instance so he can make it certainly clear on what he meant. We only have 150,000 words in comparison in English. So we use the word church, and it's become synonymous with a building. But here's what the word church literally means in the Greek. Ekklesia. It means the called out ones and an assembly of citizens. That's what it means. I I, I just want to draw your attention to the fact that this precise Greek word that the Holy Spirit uses to talk about church has nothing to do with the religion. It didn't even have anything to do with anything spiritual. You know why? Because God knew when we were created in His image that we needed fellowship, and that's why God's a Trinity because of fellowship need. Even God needs fellowship. He created mankind so He could have an object of love. He wants to be in relationship with you, He doesn't want to mind them or what. He wants to be in relationship. He created us for that purpose. And he knew we needed it. He knows it's normal for our brain activity. He knows it's normal for us to be healthy. And so he said he brought a church. He brought a group of people that are called out ones. And it's an assembly of citizens, not necessarily gathering for a religious purpose, but gathering for a common purpose. We're all believers. We all love the same Lord, but we don't have to believe the same way. We all come together because we want to be together. If you drill into the word "ecclesia," you drill in past the root words, and you look at the very core of the root word, it means circle. Could it be that the Spirit of God in the very beginning said that he was going to invent church so that there could be a circle of friends in church that would be meeting each other's needs and making people feel appreciated and affirmed and loved? Could it be that that's the reason church is so important? And the reason so many people say, I ah, just quit going because I wasn't being fed. Well, maybe you were bellowing up to the wrong trough. If you think the preacher's job is to feed you and that's it, the reason you're, not, you're leaving unfed is because you have no relationship that's real. You're, you're, you're empty because God's created you to be in fellowship, to be in complete fellowship with people. To feel like you belong somewhere. If you're one of those that comes late, leaves early, doesn't want to get to know anybody, I'm going to tell you you're missing out on what church is even about. God wants us to be together. I love this in 1 Corinthians 14 from the message translation. He's talking about church. He says, when you gather... Each one of you should prepare something that's useful for all. Sing a hymn. Teach a lesson. Tell a story. Lead a prayer. Provide an insight. Take your turn with no one person taking over. That way you learn from each other. Is that beautiful or what? He's not talking about Sunday morning church. He's talking about a fellowship of believers, called out ones, people that have chosen to meet together, to sit in a circle and learn from one another everybody's different, everybody brings something different but everybody's valuable and you share with one another and maybe someone sheds a tear because what you said meant so much to them and suddenly you thought wow, I feel valuable I feel like I've helped somebody you feel affirmed maybe someone hugs your neck because you've you've ministered to them and maybe they really reach out and hug you and love you And you think, wow, this feels good because it feels good to be hugged. You know, God's made us in a certain way. And you can pretend you're the Lone Ranger. You can pretend you're the guy that's going to go it alone. You've never intended to go it alone. doesn't matter what you've been raised to think in this country where independence is the goal. I'm a self-made man. I don't need anybody. Yeah, you do. Because inside you're like a little boy. Inside you're like a little girl. Longing for affection, longing for affirmation. You need it, and God knows you need it. And the church is God's remedy for these needs. Because we think it's a building. And God says it's a circle of friends. You know, people say, I don't like that many people. I don't want to get with people. I don't like that many people. And I just say to you, well, just invite people to your home that you like. Let's start somewhere. (laughs) Let's just start somewhere. I mean, I don't feel qualified to lead a group of friends in in any kind of meaningful thing. I don't know the Bible. Did did you notice the word ecclesia had, had nothing to do about the Bible? Bible studies are great, but no one's asking you to be a Bible scholar, to have a group in your home of friends. Have a book club. You know, Wendy and I are on Weight Watchers, and and we've been on it for a a number, a couple of years, and, you know, we talked about this year when we're going to be intentional about growing as a person and growing in relationship. We want to have people that are on Weight Watchers that want to come, you know, gather once a month and maybe make meals that are low in points and just see how we can do on making low point meals or something. It's some way to connect. That doesn't sound spiritual. Yeah, it is, because you can't disconnect them. And I guarantee you the most spiritual thing in the world is for you to have friends. Someone that loves you. I can stand up here and pound up here all day long and tell you how rotten you are. It's not going to inspire you to change. Because I've tried it. (laughs) It doesn't work. You know what inspires you to change? Positive peer pressure. You get in a small group of friends and they're people that challenge you intellectually. They challenge you emotionally. They love you. And you'll want to emulate people that are walking in a higher plane than you are. And you'll want to be better because of the people you're with. That's how church is supposed to work. If you come in, you never know anybody, and nobody knows you, you can go do whatever you want to do. And nobody, even, you know, it's like we've missed the point. Because love is the most important thing. And the statistics are churches are shrinking. All, everywhere, they're shrinking. They've been tracking church membership and attendance since the 30s. Tracking it. Since the 30s. And from the 30s all the way to the year 2000. I mean, 65 years probably. They've been tracking this stuff to the year 2000. Church attendance, church membership was always around 65 to 75 percent. Probably an average of about 70 percent of America went or was a member of a church. That's that's the statistic. You know what happened in 2000? From 2000 to 2018, 70 percent of people in church went to 50 percent. The biggest decrease of church membership since we've been tracking church membership. Did people just give up on God? No, I think they gave up on the church. Because the church is trying to be something it's not. We're not an entertainment center. Our music is not supposed to compete with the world's. It's just supposed to be worship. You know, we're not here to do a Tony Robbins seminar. I'm not going to inspire you to jump off a bridge in faith. I'm just going to tell you that we're here and we've missed the point of what God said because... You know, the, church, the, the world is very spiritual. It's never changed. The world wants God. They're just not finding Him in a place that's so cold and institutionalized. Because we've lost that element of the circle of friends. We've lost that element. We don't think what we have matters, but we read the word. Each person does his work and everyone else grows. Each person does what they can bring, even if it's different, and everyone else benefits. That's how we grow as people. That's how we mature, with meeting all those needs, that were basic human needs. You know, and from 2000 to 2018, something else has happened in our world. The Internet's become everywhere. It's everywhere. And a lot of people think, well, I'm the, I don't need to go up there and go to church, you know. They're all He's okay, but, you know, I can listen to Bill Johnson every week. And so many people are getting their church fix online because you can hear the best of the best. You know, I don't want to go up there. I can worship at home. I can turn on Bethel music, and I can worship. There's nothing wrong with those things unless they take the place of what we're here for. We're here for each other. We're not here to hear the best sermon ever. We're not here to hear the best music ever. We're here to get to know one another, to love one another, to be here for each other so you can grow and I can grow and we can be healthier human beings. We can be good people that are full of love. That's the goal because love is the most important thing. Let me make you a promise. You can't grow in love if you're by yourself. You have to be in relationship, and God never intended this relationship to be pushed aside because you can get something better online. Our world is becoming so, so lonely when the main purpose of us even being here is love, to learn to love. I I don't know if you know this. It's the only thing you take with you from this earth. You can memorize the whole Bible, and it's not going to make a diddly in heaven. The love that you have for one another is the thing you carry all the way through. So, I'm going to end with this scripture. Galatians 6.10 You know, I just want to start before I read this scripture saying, you know, Acts Community, Chad, what they do out there in San Jacinto is amazing. The thousands of pounds of food help thousands of people prep, what Pastor Lindell and Randall County do. It's amazing. I don't know how many people have been saved and helped through that ministry. Those things are outside our walls. And even the HRPR, the Healing Room Prophetic Room, half the people that come to those rooms don't go to our church. And those are great ministries, and they're outside our, our walls. People said for years, the church needs to get outside its four walls. And I promise you, this church has gotten outside its four walls. But there's an area in this church that's lacking a little bit. And, and people say, well, this is a great church. I read it online. Why you're at church, oh, you know, everybody loves each other. It's a great environment. I, I get that. But I, I think if we really grew spiritually, we really were a house full of love, we would not have a seat in this house. Because it says here in Galatians 6.10 that every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all. Starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Do you know what the community of faith is? It's the church. It's the body of Christ. That's where we're to start. Because I can guarantee you if this is not a solid foundation, if this is not a firm foundation, if our fellowship is not strong and our house is not full of love and and people don't feel affirmed and like they belong, whatever, blah, 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 all that, then we're not going to have the resources or the manpower or anything else to go outside this church. We are to work in this house to build fellowship And I'm telling you, one of my main convictions about us in 2020 is that we see groups. Groups form all over the church. Groups of people form. Fellowship groups form all over this church based in all kinds of different ways. People might say, well, I've got a good family. I don't need, I get all my friends. I just want to say I've lived long enough to know that your family, your nucleus family, it changes. Your kids grow up and they grow away. And if you're one of those that has to get all your affirmation, appreciation, and love from your family, you're going to be one of those people that's going to be sitting there being a complainer because no one's calling you whenever you get my age. God gave you your natural family, but it changes. It grows. The people go away. They don't, they don't, your kids don't think the same about you at 25 that they do at 15 or at 5. It changes. It changes. But God gives you a spiritual family, which is the church, and it's eternal. It's here forever. Your natural family is very important. You should put high priority on it, but it will change. Don't try to keep it the same. You'll ruin it. The spiritual family is the family that you sow into because that's the one that is eternal. I hope you're hearing me on that. People say, well, I've got plenty of friends, and I don't, need, I, don't need, I don't need to do anything about that. Well, what about the people that don't have any friends? Do we have a responsibility for the people in the church that don't have anybody? Because there's a lot of them. In fact, in my experience, there's a lot more that don't than do. And maybe you are one of those dynamic people everybody wants to be with. I just want to say to you, that's probably because you're a leader, and if you're a leader, then you're held to an accountability of being a leader. And according to these scriptures and being in church, we're to take every chance we get to work for the benefit of all and to sow into these lives that God's put us around and try to become connected in a real and dynamic way. Not in a goofy, not in a goofy, and please don't misunderstand me, but not in a goofy, overly spiritual way, in a real way. Like people meet and they're real people and they have real things to talk about. And you really get your needs met. You don't have to be someone you're not. You don't have to pretend to know the Bible when you don't. You don't have to pray an eloquent prayer. You just have to be real. Just be you. Bring what God's put inside you, which is valuable to any group of people. And let them affirm you and love you and appreciate you. Because you are valuable. And we have a lot of great groups in this church. But I want there to be a dozen more. And and I think that's not asking too much. Some of you are leaders. Some of you are pastors. Some of you are prophets. Some of you have stuff to give. And, and you know, I I, I don't want to stand up here and try to beat people into doing groups. What I want you to do is listen to the Spirit of God inside of you. And when he convicts you to do something, you would just say yes. If If we lived that way as a church, this place would be on fire. It would be on fire, because God wants it to be on fire. He wants you to be on fire, but sometimes you're looking for the wrong, you're looking in the wrong place for your firewood. And boy, relationship means a lot to God. It means a ton. So, I just want to encourage you, encourage you, that church matters. So stop, stop just attending church, don't, and and start thinking about being the church. Just feel differently when you walk in here and know that church doesn't start. I mean, church isn't sitting here at 5511 Emerald Boulevard West. Church goes home with you every week. Every week. And, it, and, it, and he wants to be with you everywhere you go. So let's stand together. God, I just want to pray for all of us. I pray, God, that your spirit, Lord, would, would begin to speak to us. That you would lead us, move us, God, into meaningful relationships. God, let us become givers and not just takers. Let us know that we have a part to play in ministry. That we're not just here to be ministered to, God, but we're here to to be ministers and to to work for the benefit of of your people. And I pray over everyone in this room, God, and I ask that as your spirit convicts that, it, that they would not push it aside, that they would know obedience is so important. And they would quick to, they would be quick to say yes. We love you, Lord. We thank you that you've created us to need one another. We thank you for how good it feels to have friends. We thank you, God, for how good it feels for people to love us, need us, want us. You're awesome, God, in every way. And Jesus is amazing. We thank you for this new year. This new beginning. Thank you for all these great things, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you're ministering, please come up today. And if you need prayer, we invite you to come up and get prayer. If not, happy new year. Have a great week.